Hey, good morning, everybody. We're so glad to have you. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to get started. All right, come on, sing this out. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? Yeah. For Jesus, there's nothing impossible. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Thank you, God. When all I see is the cross, God, you see the empty tomb. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the 
battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And oh God, the battle belongs to you. Come on, we get, can we give a shout of praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Hey, at this time, we're so glad to have you this morning. We'd like to invite our prayer team up to the front. If you have a need, we'd love to connect with you and pray with you.
Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we're so, so grateful for your presence. God, for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. God, you alone deserve the praise. God, there's, there's, if you didn't do a single extra thing for us, God, you have done more than enough. God, you've given your life for us. And God, we will praise you forever and ever. God, I thank you, Lord, this morning, God, that we have just a chance, an opportunity just to meet in your presence, to give you glory, to thank you for all the amazing things that you've done for us. God, we are eternally grateful. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're not done yet. Can we give God praise this morning? Well, I'm really excited for today. Before we, before we transition, I do want to invite you to, to pray with me as we say the Lord's Prayer together. And I, obviously, i got a few guests on the stage behind me, and we'll get to that in a minute. But can we continue to give God praise this morning? Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's give him praise this morning one more time. Well, you're in for a treat today. I just want to let you know that as you guys were praying in that prayer, we were praying together. I heard it in front of me, and I heard it behind me. So that's an incredible testimony of what God's doing in our church. Can we get it for one more time? Yeah. So obviously this morning we have a special presentation, but you're not allowed to sit down. They're going to lead you in worship, and we're going to get involved today. So we're going to be worshiping along with them. They're leading us and it's going to be great. So remain standing and let's continue worshiping this morning.
Let's go, Spirit Kids. Come on. Is that all we got? Let's give it up for them one more time. Let's go. Great job, guys. Now, listen, I need to run and grab my inhaler after doing a kids' worship song. So go ahead, greet your neighbors just one second, and we'll be right back. Go ahead, say hi to somebody. I'm going to grab my inhaler and be back. Turns out I left my inhaler at home, so it wasn't backstage. I'll be fine, though. It's all good. Totally kidding, guys. Totally kidding. Hey, thank you so much for coming and joining us today on this Family Sunday. How many of you guys are having fun this morning? Enjoying church? Come on. I love it. I love it. Guys, I got a few announcements that I want to hit really fast. As you just saw, our kids' ministry is doing some amazing things, and we want to invite you to be a part of it, okay? So, in the month of June, June 5th, through the 7th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., we need you, the parents, to sign up and help us serve at VBS. We wanna do fun stuff like this all the time for our kids, but it's not possible unless you help us, okay? So this little ad brought to you by Daniel Hubler is not for your children to sign up for VBS, it's for you to sign up for VBS, okay? So if you are free from June 5th to June 7th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., we need your help to make it happen, okay? For more information on how to sign up and everything like that, please visit our information station. They can help you guys get hooked up, but we want to give these kids the best VBS we've ever done yet. Can you guys join with me in that? We're believing in it. God's doing amazing things, and we know this is just the beginning. Now... Tonight is the night, if you are a 6th through 12th grader, to come back and hang out with us at Color Wars from 5.30 to 7.30. Now listen, we're going to have free pizza, free drinks. We're doing the Color War after service. But if nobody shows up to this, I'm going to be a little bit salty because I looked like Papa Smurf after stuffing pantyhose with color powder for three hours this week, okay? I'm talking 150 pounds of color powder. This is heavier than our students, okay? Like, that's what I need you to realize. We need you, 6th through 12th graders, to come hang out with us. Let's have some fun. It's going to be a night that I promise you won't forget. But more importantly, today, we have even more announcements that are going to sound way better than me. So go ahead, turn your attention to the screen, and let's get going today. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Letty, and we're so glad you're here. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can use this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't put any pressure to give. Instead, let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website by going to spirit.church give. Or, as always, you can give on your Spirit Church app. Spirit Church, you're the best. Now I've got a couple announcements for you. 
Tonight at 5.30, Spirit Youth is having Color Wars. Students 6th through 12th grade are invited to join us for this super fun night. Also, don't forget to bring a towel and wear clothes that you don't mind getting dirty. And lastly, tickets for the ladies' tea are on sale at the info table in the commons area. Tickets are $10 and space is limited, so make sure you get your ticket today. Spirit Church, we love you. Thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason comes to continue our message series on heaven. Good morning. If you were shopping for pantyhose at Walmart, it's our fault. That man right there bought all 150 pairs, and if he shows up at the office wearing them, we're going to have a conversation. Okay, they're for the color war tonight. Did you love seeing the kids up here singing this morning? Come on, isn't that awesome? Wow. God is doing amazing things, and we love being a church that reaches multiple generations, so thank you for being here for that. Hey, thank you to everyone who has participated in our Home for the Next 100 Years campaign thus far. We're receiving commitments throughout the entire month of April. So far, because of your faithful giving over the last several years, plus the commitments that we have received, we have over $2 million. Come on, it's amazing what God is doing. Nobody can tell you the price of anything right now. It's all a guess. So the best guess that we're getting is it's about a $7 million project. We don't feel like we have time to wait until $7 million comes in because if you were here last week, you see what God is doing in this community as we try to reach one more. The best news is not that we had four rows of people sitting in the commons. The best news is that last week, 25 people said yes to Jesus. That's the best news. And that's what it's about. So if you haven't had a chance to engage or to get involved, there's commitment cards right here in the back. There's commitment cards out at the info table, or you can go online, probably the easiest way, spirit.church slash home, spirit.church slash home. You can fill out that commitment card and help us to keep reaching one more. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. And let me just say one more thing about it. It's an exercise of faith, and I want to make sure I emphasize this. This is not your tithe, and I know I've said that a lot, but I'm going to keep saying that because it's a really important truth. This is not our tithe. This is an opportunity for us to exercise our faith and hear from the Lord. So we pray, Lord, would you have me to be involved in this? And if he says yes, then we pray, Lord, how much would you have me to give to this? If the Lord says no, do not give. Did you hear me? Keep paying your tithe, but don't give over and above to the building fund. If God says yes, then ask him and respond in faith. Put that gift in his hands and let him multiply it and use it in whatever way that he sees best fit. We good with that? Amen. Everybody cool? We're doing all this and we're doing this series about heaven because we are passionate about trying to reach one more. That's what God has called us to do. So I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to John chapter 14 and verse number one. It's our in the vault text this month. Remember, on the 30th of this month is our check-in day quotation stations. And we've got sunglasses for you. So if you get the verse right, you get a pair of sunglasses. If you say, I don't like sunglasses, I don't want your stinking sunglasses, that's okay. You can still quote the verse and you can get a different prize from the last couple months if we have it left over as is available. Whether you memorize it for a prize or not, this is a verse that needs to be on our lips often. This reminds us of the promise of heaven. I don't know about you, but I grew up in an era where we talked a lot about hell and we forgot to tell people that the opposite of hell or not the opposite, but the corollary is heaven. And so we just spent a lot of time scaring people about hell. And I want to be balanced. There is a hell. There's a very real hell. But there is also... And don't, y'all don't get offended that I went to this side to say, there's also a very real heaven. Amen. 
And we're planning on going there, so we ought to know something about this destination and journey that we're going to. And we ought to try to bring as many people with us as we can. That's why we reach one more. Amen? Amen. So here's the verse. We're going to say it together really loud. Here we go. One, two, three. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house or home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. Come on, let's pray over this. Father, thank you for the power of your word. It is living, it is active. You challenge and change us. You make us more like you through your word. So today, God, would my voice not fill the room? Would your Holy Spirit speak and fill the room? Would you speak and communicate individually to each one of us exactly what you want us to hear? And when we leave today, we'll we say that we were challenged, that we were changed, that we were transformed to be more like you. That's the goal, because your word is it's speaking to us. It's always ministering to us. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. So this morning, what we're going to do is talk about some of the facets of heaven, and we're going to look at Scripture. Would you just say at Scripture? At Scripture to describe what heaven is going to be like. And the reason why I'm emphasizing Scripture is, number one, because we always emphasize Scripture. Don't build a doctrine, don't build your faith, don't build your life on anything other than Scripture, the Word of God. The second reason why I say that is because sometimes in life we have a lot more questions than we do answers. And when it comes to heaven, there are a lot of questions and there are some answers. There are some things, though, that we're just not going to know until Jesus comes back or until we get to heaven. And since I've never been to heaven, I can't tell you for certain what it's going to be like. So I'm not going to offer you opinion. I'm not going to teach speculations. I'm not even going to dive into conspiracy theories because I, I can't stand conspiracy theories. What we are going to do this morning is we are going to look at the text and we're going to examine what the Bible says. And it starts here in John chapter 14. And that last line, Jesus says, And you know the way to where I am going. And to you and I, who grew up uh, around the Bible or who have been exposed to the Bible or have heard about the Bible and Scripture before, who, you and I, this verse makes perfect sense. But to the disciples who were hearing it for the first time, they were confused. What does he mean? What is he talking about? What, what way? Where is he going? What is happening? And so Thomas, as we call him, Doubting Thomas, steps up to the plate and he responds, No, we don't. <laughs> Just being honest. We're confused. And the rest of the guys are like, I'm so glad he said it because I didn't want to have to be the one to admit that I didn't know what he was talking about. And he says, we have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, again, you and I know what he's about to say, but they didn't. And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So let's pause and think about this progression, especially for you and I. Jesus died for our sins, and he's resurrected. And last Sunday, we celebrated Easter Sunday. And while on the calendar, Easter only happens once a year, Jesus is alive all the other 364 or 5, if it's a leap year. He's still alive all the other days. Can we stop for a second and celebrate as if Jesus were alive this morning? Come on, he's still risen. 
He's still risen from the dead, and we can celebrate that every day, not just on Easter Sunday. So Jesus' work on the cross, his victory over death, the fact that he is alive, means that heaven is now a possibility for you and I, that that is our destination. And that's why it's not by accident that we are teaching this series surrounding Easter, because we want to connect the dots between what Jesus did for us and where we are going. And so again, we're focusing on what we do know about heaven. Here's the first thing that we do know. We have the hope of heaven. Let's let that sink in for a second. We have the hope of heaven. Part of my job is that I do a lot of funerals for people. And there is a big difference in a funeral for a person who had the hope of heaven and a funeral for a person who doesn't have hope. And we go through some tragic and some tough situations in life. And life is hard and can be difficult sometimes, especially surrounding a death. But we have hope. And that's why Jesus started in John 14 and verse 1, and he said these words, Don't let your hearts be troubled. We talked about this two weeks ago. Trust in God. Trust also in me. See, almost everybody has the question, what happens after death? At some point in their life, what's this about? What's going to happen? And Thomas makes the statement that you and I have made or might make at some point. What happens after I die and how can I get to to heaven? He says in verse uh, 5, No, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? What happens after I die? Where are we going to go? How do we get there? And Jesus says confidently. I I can imagine Thomas's confusion. You know, and I'm kind of embellishing. And maybe he didn't say the way I said it. Maybe he just raised his hand and said, no, we we don't, Lord. We we don't know where you're going. So how could we know the way? But I, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly how Thomas said it. But in reading from the text, it's very plain that Jesus just simply said, I'm the way. I'm the way. In response to your question, your doubt, your fear, your worry, your uncertainty, you need to be confident of this. I'm the way. And and that statement for you and I refers to our faith in Jesus, that he is the only pathway to Jesus. And I emphasize the word only because he is the only way to heaven. Your good works won't get you to heaven. Your, Your gifts won't get you to heaven. Even church attendance won't get you to heaven. You should still come to church. Just want to make sure it's clear on that. Okay? And maybe there's an express lane for people who get there more often. I don't know. You should still come to church. But he says, your faith in Jesus is the pathway to the Father. And it also refers to the work that Jesus did on our behalf. We discussed this last week that because he was our long-awaited Savior, because he was our mighty warrior on the cross, because he was the perfect lamb that took away the sin of the world, because he's our one true king, he is our way to heaven. So for you and me, this means we have hope in Jesus and that we have hope in heaven. And why is that such great news? Because the life can be tough, messy, and scary. But we have hope. When things don't turn out the way you thought they would or should, when life deals you a bad hand, we have hope. When our situations are unfortunate and we're anxious about the things that are to come or we're burdened with our worries for today, we have hope. When you're enduring a long-term sickness or a pesky pain or problems are piling up all around you, we have hope. When it feels like the hope is gone, when it feels like your dreams are dashed, when it seems like you can't go on, we 
have hope. We have the hope of heaven. And I want to show you this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. If you have your actual Bible, you might want to turn there or even on your smartphone. I know it's on the screen, but you need to bookmark this in some way. You need to underline or highlight this. This needs to be one of those verses that we memorize or that we tweet out or that we send to our tattoo artist. And This is, this is one of those verses that has to stick with us because Paul is, is speaking to this truth about the hope we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is why we never give up. See, Paul admits, look, it's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. Life's going to get rough. We, we live in an imperfect world, but this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. And then the next one, you got to underline this. You got to star this, highlight this, share this social media. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Some of you grow up, grew up hearing this, are light and momentary troubles, right? Our present troubles are small and they won't last long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Friends, we have hope. We have hope. Are we gonna go through some rough stuff? You bet we are. We live in a fallen world. That's why Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We have a hope that supersedes the negativity and the doubt and the pain and the depression that we go through here on this earth. We have a hope in heaven. Here's the second thing that we know based on scripture is that we have a home in heaven. We have a home in heaven, and we talked about this before, but I want to dive more in detail this morning into what that's about. In fact, if you have your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to get there in just a second, but we have this home in heaven that God has prepared for us. So again, Jesus came to this earth. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news. He says, I'm leaving, but I'm empowering you through the Holy Spirit to keep this work, this mission, this ministry going. You need to go into the world and to preach the gospel, preach the good news. Now, we know, and we'll talk more about it next week, that should we be on this earth long enough, Jesus will come back to rapture his church home. And sometimes when we say rapture, even when I said that word now, I got some heads in the wind. Right? Because that's a scary word. We get nervous about that word rapture. We're going to dive more into that next week. There's going to be the rapture of the church. Then there's going to be the thousand-year reign of Christ. We call it the millennial reign of Christ. Then there will be a final judgment. Then what we're getting to today, the new heavens and the new earth, which I don't know about you, but I plan on being there, and I'm excited for the time that we're going to spend there together. Again, those other concepts, we're going to talk a little bit more next week. But for today, we're going to talk about this one reality we have a home in heaven. Before I take you to Revelation 21, let me quickly show you John 14 and verse number two. Jesus says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. Now, how many are King James and you have a mansion? And how many of you are NIV and you have a room? Now the people, see, I should have gone room first because once you hear that people have mansions, you're like, oh, I got some room. Listen, 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 listen. We get really caught up on whether it's a condo or a townhouse or a mansion. That is not the point of the verse. The point of the verse is that there is more than enough room. It doesn't matter if it's a lake house or a tree house or a penthouse. Not an outhouse. Probably not going to be that. 
What matters is that there is more than enough room in the Father's house. We got to keep reaching one more. We got to keep inviting people to go with us. There is plenty of room for us there. And Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus came in chapter 65, was prophesying about the Father's house. Look, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth. And then the old ones, we won't even think about those anymore. Then in the New Testament, Peter says, we are looking forward Uh, 2 Peter 3, to the new heavens and the new earth that God has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And if you're like me, it's like, what's it gonna be like? I wanna know, right? So about 22 months ago, our family was getting ready to move here to Bartlesville. By the way, it's one of the best decisions we've ever made in our life was to come up here. And every morning, my routine was wake up, read my Bible reading for the day, check my bank account, that's really important, right? You make sure. And then go to this app called Zillow. You heard of Zillow? Well, the problem is all you people kept buying houses and we were trying to find one, but the interest rates were so good that y'all were snatching them up before we could even see them. And so our real estate agent, she's like on FaceTime, FaceTiming us through the house. We'll take it. Oh, too bad, it's already gone. I mean, it's just like this constant cycle. When you get on Zillow, you find out that realtors have this like amazing imagination as they describe houses. Spacious kitchen. Are you kidding me? I can barely fit in this thing, right? Open, flowing concept. Okay, I don't have a real estate description for you this morning. I have an actual description of what heaven's gonna be like. We're scared of it because it's in the book of Revelation and we're scared to read that book. But in Revelation chapter 21, this is what I was telling you about, John begins to describe what we're going to see in heaven. By the way, before I start reading it, I usually teach from the New Living Translation. So when you're following along with me, that's the translation I'm with. Whatever translation you want is fine. I just like the way it reads and it's easier to teach from. But tonight or this week in your small groups, one of the questions that is written is for you and your group to read this passage together. And just so you know, it's taken from the New Living Translation, so I hope that helps you. Here's what John says. He took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone. Like Jasper, it was as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. Verse 13 goes on to say, uh, there were three gates on each side. So three on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a glowing measuring stick to measure the gates, its city, and its walls. So now we're going to find out how big heaven is. When it says more than enough room, Revelation 21, 16. When he measured it, he found out it was a square. It was as wide as it was long. In fact, its length, its width, and its height were each 1,400 miles. Now to give you a frame of reference, that is approximately the size of Dewey. Okay, maybe just a little bit bigger than Dewey, right? It's a lot bigger than Dewey, right? It's an amazing city. He says he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. Verse 19 says, The wall of the city was built on a foundation stones that were inlaid with 12 precious stones. The 12 gates were made of pearls, each from a single pearl. The main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. John says, I saw no temple in the city, 
For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. But I love verse 27. There's more to come, but verse 27 is the next one. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And in a few minutes when I'm done, we're going to give you an opportunity to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. But then we turn to the next chapter, chapter 22, in verse number 1. John concludes, The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month, and the, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Now, let me summarize, because that's a lot of, of, of text, a lot of scripture. Here's what John said. When you get to heaven, there's no mortgage payment, there's no real estate taxes, there are no city taxes, there are no sewer fees, there's no need for pest control, and the toilets aren't going to back up. Amen. Amen? I know that puts you out of a job, but you'd be okay with it. In heaven, you'd be right with it. Anybody ready to go to heaven? Anybody ready? Not just because the sewer's not going to back up, but because the Bible says that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit will be there with us forever. Jimmy Evans, the pastor and author, writes this, everything in heaven is composed of the most precious stones. It will be stunningly gorgeous with colors, textures, and hues which we have never seen before, and the power source is the lamb. In other words, we're getting a description in our human terminology, in our earthly vernacular, but when we get to heaven, we are not gonna have words to explain what it is going to be like. It's going to be amazing, and we are confident, based on what the word of God says, that we not only have a hope that is heaven, but we have a home that is awaiting us there. But here's the third thing that we have, and this again is from scripture. We have the wholeness of heaven. That word wholeness means restoration. In heaven is where God puts everything back together. I'm gonna take you back in just a second to Genesis chapter three, but it was in the Garden of Eden where God would walk and he would talk with Adam and Eve. There was perfect fellowship, perfect connection that was enjoyed there, but what happened? Adam and Eve sinned. And because they sinned, they broke fellowship with God. They broke the connection that was enjoyed with him. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And doing that, that act of disobedience brought sin into the world. And sin brought a curse. And here's what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 about the curse. God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Verse 18, it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. It's a very humbling, it's a very hard, it's a very difficult passage for us to dive into, especially when we recognize all that Adam and Eve lost in that moment. I mean, can you imagine the perfect, pristine place that was Eden where God himself would come and walk and talk with them, the Bible says, in the cool of the day. 
and to hang out with God where there was no evil, there was no sin, there was no suffering, there was only perfection and joy, there was no labor, there was no toil, no strife, no struggle, no work, but because of sin. And this is why we have to preach about sin. Some people don't like to preach about sin, but sin has consequences and sin is contrary to God's best for our lives. Sin brought the curse. But I want to take you to Galatians chapter 3 in verse number 13. And, and feel free, take out your phone and, and post this one and get this one because this is where it's at right here. But Christ has rescued us from the curse. I'm going to read that again while the applause dies down. But Christ has rescued us from the curse. I know I'm being silly, but that's the best news. Christ has rescued us from the curse when he was hung upon the cross he took upon himself the curse, not of his wrongdoing, but for our wrongdoing. For the scriptures, it's written in the scriptures, cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. Here's what Jesus did. He became the curse for us. He took the curse for us, and he brought wholeness to us as humans. And though Jesus took our curse and made us whole, Adam and Eve were still required to leave the garden. That's what the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, that they had to leave the Garden of Eden. Now, we know from that point, God made a new garden, in parentheses, garden, if you will, called the new heavens and the new earth. We just read about it, but let me highlight some verses from that description. Let's start with Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Verse 4, John says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Come on, somebody. And then verse 3 of Revelation 22, No longer, here's the word, will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. So, I want to show you seven things that are going to be absent in heaven. And don't worry, your name's not going to be up there. <laughs> Because we're believing that you're going to say yes to Jesus and you're going to make sure your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But based on the scriptures that we have read, Revelation 21 and 22, here's seven things that will not be in heaven. It says there will be no more night. Revelation 22, 5 says the Lamb of God will be the light. It says we will have no need for the sun or for the moon because he will be the light that will illuminate the city when we are there in the new heavens and the new earth. The second thing it says in Revelation 21.1 is there will be no more sea. Now don't misinterpret that to mean that we will not have water in heaven. We just read there's going to be a river flowing from the middle of the city. In ancient apocalyptic literature, the sea represented evil, chaos, confusion, and death. And we just read that there will be no evil allowed in heaven. In fact, in Revelation chapter, let me make sure I'm telling you right, Revelation chapter 13, the Bible tells us that the beast comes out of the sea. In Revelation chapter 17, a deceptive harlot sits upon the waters. And so what that is telling us is that that evil, that separation, that wickedness, that confusion, that chaos will not be allowed in heaven. The Bible then says there'll be no death in heaven. I'm thankful for that. We're going to live with him forever. And because there's no death and sickness and pain, there's not going to be sorrow. There's not going to be crying. There's not going to be pain. But here's that word again. Revelation 22, 3, there will be no more curse. The problem with the curse, again, started in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22. And then we read how Jesus became the curse for us. But look at what it says. Then the Lord God said, look, 
the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. I need you to remember that the worst part of the curse was not the work of the ground or the difficulty of pregnancy or the labor. The worst part of the curse was the separation from God. That was the worst part of the curse. The problem was not that we became like God. See, we are created in the image to be like God. That's not the issue. The issue is that we would become, we would live forever, but we would live forever apart from God. That's the problem that God sees in this. What happened was the curse brought eternal death and eternal separation. Adam and Eve had to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden so they wouldn't be stuck eternally separated from God in the garden. That's why God said, what if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it, then they will live forever. And what, what we have to infer and know that he's saying this is they will live forever without me. They will live forever apart from me. They will live forever separated from me. So kicking Adam and Eve out of the garden was not a punishment. It was a protection. He was protecting them and he's protecting us from ourselves until Jesus came and did what only Jesus can do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And we, and we have to look at this verse and we have to understand it correctly. And so give me just a quick second to make sure that we're all understanding this properly. The comma after the word Christ is so that we can get that clause or that phrase in there, who never sinned. So you can't read this as God made Christ. God did not create Jesus. Jesus is God. What God did is he made Jesus who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Everybody tracking with me? I know you didn't come for English class today. You're here for advanced trigonometry or something else, but I just wanna make sure we're all thinking on the same way here. God made Jesus who had never sinned to become the offering, not for his sin, for our sin, so that we could be made right with God, so that the curse that was upon us could be broken and so that we would not live forever separated from him, but that we could live forever in eternity with him in the new heavens and the new earth, the place that he has prepared for us. And that's why Revelation chapter 21 and verse three conclude, or, or says this in concluding this message, says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home, <coughs> excuse me, is now among his people. He shall live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. Now, I, I, I coughed and choked my way through that. But except for the work of Jesus, this is not possible. But because of the work of Jesus, God says, welcome home. Come on, invite all your friends, reach one more, bring everybody because there's more than enough room. The curse is broken. You're no longer separated from me. Now you can come in because of what my son Jesus has done for you. Welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. 
because that's our eternal destination. We t- when we talk about hell, we talk about hell to scale, scare people from it. But when we talk about heaven, we talk about it to, to welcome people to it, to love, lovingly invite them, to lovingly bring them there with us. And today, that's why I'm doing this series. That's why I'm up here. That's why, that's why I'm on this planet, is to invite people to go to heaven with me. And as bad as I want you to go to heaven, Jesus wants you to go to heaven so much more than I do. He died on the cross to make it possible. And this morning, the opportunity is yours to say yes to Jesus, to make him the the Lord and Savior of your life, to welcome him into your heart. And if you have never done that, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of confession declaring your belief in him and asking him to forgive you of your sins and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. If you have done that, though, at some point in your life, but today you would be honest and say, I'm very distant from God. I'm very far from him. I know the way that I'm supposed to be living. And and if I'm being honest, I have lived in opposition to God's plan for my life. Today, you can make those things right. You can recommit yourself to him. God hasn't changed. We do change. But his arms of love, which were nailed to the cross, are still wide open and welcoming you. This morning, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm simply going to pray with you and for you. If you say, oh, yes, I need to say yes to Jesus, whether today's the first time or you're just needing to make some things right between you and the Father, would you just lift your hand and just say, yes, pray for me. There's some things that I need to make right. Yes, thank you. I need to say yes to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I think I've seen at least three, four hands that have gone up, a fifth hand that has gone up, a sixth. Remember, we never say numbers for the sake of numbers. This is transformation. These are life stories being rewritten. These are trophies in heaven of what God has done. Anyone else that you say, yeah, pray for me. Please pray for me. Pray with me. I'm saying yes to Jesus. If you're online, if you're watching us online this morning, would you type the word yes in that box and let us know of the decision that you're making today? You're as much a part of this as everyone who's in this room. And we want to believe God with you and for you. We want to see his work take place in your life. Here's what the Bible says. And thank you for those who have raised your hand. I I don't even have an official count, to be honest, but there were many. And thank you. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And when you raised your hand, you were indicating, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. I need Jesus in my life. Now there's a prayer of confession where you confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we're going to pray that together, whether you raised your hand or not, whether you're in the room or not, we're all going to pray this prayer together. So would you join me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, would you stand to your feet and can we give God the highest praise that he deserves today? Come on, let's thank him for the work that he's doing. Amen. Amen. Now, real quick, and we're going to dismiss in a second, and we're going to get to games and donut holes and all that. If you said yes to Jesus, Robin and I are going to be in the Welcome Center in just a minute. 
Come tell me. Just say, I said yes to Jesus today. Let us pray with you. Let us talk to you. If you don't want to, text me. Right there is the number, 918-766-9117. Especially if you're watching online, shoot us a text right now, 918-766-9117. Let's close with this this morning. We've got to respond to this. We've got to respond. There's a place that is prepared. There is hope that we have. Jesus has died that we could be made whole. You don't have to be like me or do it like me. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to open my mouth and praise God. You praise God in whatever way feels most comfortable. Maybe for 60 seconds, I will keep playing. Come on, let's just worship him. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you that there is an eternal home that you have prepared for me. And not only have you prepared a heaven for me, but you have prepared my heart. You have restored my life. What was broken and damaged and sinful inside of me, you died that I could be restored. You paid the price that I should have paid. You you lived a life that is my example and I can follow your teaching and your guidance and your direction. And Lord, I give you praise. Lord, as I thank you because of all this that means to me, I pray for those who have not heard about you yet. I pray for those who are in restricted and persecuted countries where the gospel is not known or named. I pray for our missionaries who are working diligently to to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the least, the last, and the lost. I pray for those who are persecuted for their faith, that you would encourage and strengthen them and remind them that these light and momentary troubles are preparing for them an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Lord, I pray that many, many, many people would come to faith in Jesus Christ because you said in my Father's house, there is more than enough room and we look forward to the day that we see you there. Thank you and praise you for it. Come on, let's give him glory. Let's give him honor in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Man, what an incredible day. Uh, I just want to remind you, uh, on your way out today, there, there's plenty of games. There's some card games on the tables. There's a couple, there's some ping pong. If you want to hang out and play that, there's obviously plenty of donut holes and there's games outside as well. Uh, please, if you play Uno, let's keep it civil. Uh, we are family, so just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we, we'd love to guys for you guys to hang out a little while, enjoy some time with your family, playing some games. Um, before we go, I do want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Uh, so if you feel comfortable, raise your hands towards heaven. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week.